Before I'm through, I intend to jar the jury a bit. I think we'll have a reasonable chance on appeal, though. I really can't tell at this stage, Jack. You know, I'd hoped to get through life without a case of this kind, but John Taylor pointed at me and said, You're it. Welcome to W5H. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. A podcast where we explore ideas through books and discussion. I'm one of your co-hosts, Duki Danukaryanto. And I'm your other co-host, David Shu. Let's crack those books open and get started. All right, Lukey, we are back for the final episode of Season 2 of W5H, our quest to read 10 great books. (laughs) This is number 10. We did it. We did it. We're all the way at the home stretch. (laughs) Yes, yes. And we found a book that we both got through, and I think we both had a relatively painless, pleasant, I might say, reading experience, which is saying something in season two. For sure, yeah, I'm actually excited to speak about this, and uh, hopefully it won't be the opposite <laughs> of what we think. <laughs> All right, so the book is To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. I don't know if people recognize that little quote I picked from it, but Lukey, why don't you give us the two-minute breakdown of Harper Lee and To Kill a Mockingbird? Sure. So Harper Lee grew up in Alabama, down south in the U.S., and apparently she was related to the General Robert E. Lee in some uh, time in the lineage. So she basically was a a lifelong writer, and she even worked like at a bookstore and published a whole bunch of short stories. And she worked with a publisher, and eventually it came, well, To Kill a Mockingbird came into being. And it was really about some of the observations that she had in her life down south, right? So I don't know if it was like based on a true story or something like that, but there's probably elements of that in there. Mm-hmm. And and the book itself is about the uh, Finch family in Maycomb, Alabama. Um, so John Louise Finch, aka Scout, and I, I guess her her brother. They're just kids growing up in the city. Their dad happened to be a lawyer, and it's well, basically a, a commentary about kind of the blacks and the whites in rural uh, in the rural American South and a lot of commentary on like racial inequality and things like that. But otherwise, it's just a bunch of kids like having fun, like they're taunting each other. They, they have a reclusive neighbor they're trying to uh, see and, and uh, poke, poke at. There's a, a courtroom drama in there, which I thought was quite uh, interesting and like some taboo love relationships uh, a bunch of deaths and some murder <laughs> and just kids kind of growing up in, in in the process so i don't know if i want to spoil too much of it but uh, i i <laughs> quite thoroughly in, enjoyed the book all right maybe you need to spoil it a little bit i mean the book <laughs> is almost like 75 years old or something at this point sure okay for the sake of discussion the main character is atticus finch that name rings a bell for anyone who's read this book uh, at all. I mean, this this book used to be required reading in a lot of school systems, but mm. today it is actually banned reading mm. in a lot of school systems in the United States for reasons that we can talk about mm-hmm. later. Um, but the main plot, the main plot that's driving the story is that Atticus Finch is the local lawyer. He's been given the task of defending a black man, Tom Robinson, who's been accused of raping a white woman. And this is a type of case that could blow up the town mm-hmm. right so it's one of those oj simpson scenarios where the blacks are on the black side the whites are on the white side and atticus is kind of in between because he's a white guy defending a black mm-hmm. dude uh the story 
is told from the perspective of his two children. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, it's told from the perspective of one of his children, and right next to her is the other is the son, Jim. Right. And that's, I think, the beauty of this story really lies in using this narrative voice to give the perspective of kids watching this drama unfold. And the way that kids watch it unfold, they don't fully understand the significance of everything, but at the same time, they understand a lot more than people think. It's, it's, a, it's a very interesting way to uh, stage the story. Yeah, and I think you can get away with a lot more because uh, it's just kids. They don't understand, so some of the misinterpretations are somewhat uh, interesting, but also like, oh, a, a commentary as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I guess it's not a surprise to say at this point of the discussion that we both enjoyed reading the book, yeah. but let's talk about it a little bit more. Like, what what is what specifically did we like about To Kill a Mockingbird? You can go first. Well, for me, I mean, the the overall story was was interesting. Uh, I mean, for me, the highlight was that courtroom courtroom drama uh, scene. Mm. Right, that was really quite intense and. Maybe at that point, my um, imagination was kind of getting the best of me. But like, yeah, I could almost imagine it kind of happening uh, there. So maybe is the way that they portrayed the, the words and, and the, the the scenario that was happening. Um, so mm. a lot of it was very, call it livable and relatable, even though I, I'm not uh, in kind of that... Uh, uh, racial inequality type situation, but I could picture it uh, quite easily in, in my head, right? So just a bunch of kids mm. goofing around over the summer uh, at some times and then trying to I- explore and, and make sense of the world. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think as you mentioned about taking the perspective of children, that was really nice for, for them to do. One thing that's interesting is you 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 kind of list uh, the courtroom as your highlight. I actually found it really interesting that the courtroom scene is actually a very small percentage of this book. Mm. A lot of times when people talk about To Kill a Mockingbird, the way the book is written up in synopses would make you think that this whole thing is just one legal drama, right? right? It could easily be written as, you know, a court case, black versus white. But actually, this is only a very small section of the book. I mean, I read through three quarters of the book. I was like, this is actually really interesting. nothing's happened yet there's no crime for a long time and then there is a crime we don't really spend too much time talking about because kids wouldn't be thinking about it too much and finally they get to the court case and the actual courtroom scene and it's very brief really relative to the entirety of the book so i really thought that the structure of the book was interesting it is actually not a courtroom drama as a whole true and and that actually lends to it working quite well because it caught me by surprise i didn't really know what i was getting into as i started reading the book and it it's not John Grisham. Like, you're not spending <laughs> a lot of time on, on court discussion. Yeah, I think it goes back to the, the kid's perspective, right? Because uh, as you pointed out, like, I, I don't think kids are problem solving and detective hunting everything that, that's happening. Well, I guess they were when they were listening to the, to the actual court case and the arguments and things mm-hmm. like that. But outside of it, then go home and look in the old oak tree if there's something in there <laughs> right. that sort of stuff is what most kids are, are are worried about right i think the thing that i liked the most was the characters mm. in this in the story i mean atticus finch is a really amazing character he, drawn really well he's he doesn't fit any of the stereotypes of what you imagine like a southern white person would be mm-hmm. right he is really interested in justice but almost to the point of being like a super idealist Mm. right to the point that it almost it almost 
uh, hogtized him. He's unable to actually carry out meaningful. He's unable to actually do the right thing at the end, right? Because he's so idealistic, and and the book kind of shows that that idealism is a virtue, but can also limit what you can actually accomplish. I, I thought he was very interesting, and then having him play the role of a single dad. Mm which is not a common character that we've seen in these older books at all. And his struggles trying to raise two young children while balancing the pressures of being a small town lawyer, very nicely articulated character. Yeah, I, I would echo all of those sentiments as well. So the, the characters, definitely you could feel their development even with, with the kids kind of progressing through their, well, childhood and then mm. kind of getting a little bit more I don't know if you want to say that they get more mature, but have more experiences, uh, I guess, throughout the the book, and and that they're they're learning, and um, yeah, they're they're growing throughout throughout the the pages uh, as as you go through it. Mm -hmm. The other thing, I guess, uh, this is this is a low lying fruit, low hanging fruit, but this book is super topical. Like everything that happens in this book is literally plucked out of today's newspaper headlines <laughs> of 2024 Fair. it's sad to say we've gone we've gotten almost nowhere yeah. as a society in the united states and and probably canada right like it's it's startling how much of this book applies now as it did in the 60s when it was written and it's it, it's a sad it's a sad testament that this book stands the test of time that way yeah I mean, I would say there has been some progress, but obviously not nearly as much as you would hope in the, call it like 100 odd years that this is supposed to have elapsed <laughs> between this mm -hmm. this and now. Uh, That's true. The book is actually, it was written in the 60s, but it's set. Oh yeah, it's set in the 30s because they allude to Adolf Hitler mm. taking control of Germany. Yeah, but definitely quite topical. I mean, all the, the, the racist stereotypes they're still around, unfortunately, right? And mm -hmm. and uh, in in different walks of life, you encounter them uh, in uh, different areas. But uh, yeah, it's one where, uh, unfortunately, our society hasn't evolved <laughs> nearly as much as we would have hoped. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes it feels like we take two steps back for every step forward, right? And we kind of end up where we were. Doesn't feel like with all, everything that's happened in the last few years with Black Lives Matter with you know the political machinations in the United States that things have changed all that much, unfortunately. Yep. What, one of the things that's happened over time is that this book has become political hot, has become a political hot potato. Mm. It is on ban lists all over the place. Mm -hmm. And the, the main reason for it, from what I can tell, is the liberal use of the N-word mm. throughout the text of this book. Mm. What did you think of that? And and what do you think of the book being banned? I, I mean, this is one where it's it's banned for the sake of banning it, right? So it, it's one where it would be a great teaching tool to say, like, you know what, words are used, but sometimes the words are used are appropriate or not, right? Because this mm -hmm. is one where during the time that was like the common vernacular, how folks were being addressed, and it kind of is paints a picture of how things were at the time, right? So it's not necessarily used in a derogatory way. Uh, obviously, during that time, it was naturally derogatory. Um, and it's just one where it would be a good teaching moment to say, okay, this is why, and this is 
why it's no longer appropriate. But uh, prior to that, it it uh, well, I guess it was normal that that that's uh, kind of the name uh, that that was provided. So I I I like the stories. I like the discussion that would happen in that. I think in this day and age, it would be really hard <laughs> for a teacher to be able to manage a classroom discussion on this. So, like, ban probably not appropriate, but one where it would take a certain type of teacher to be able to to teach this uh, properly, or a certain type of c- class, I guess, to mm-hmm. take the lessons of this. Because, as you said, everything is so politicized that, uh, I mean, a lot of this would be just a powder keg <laughs> on, like, right. one, one paragraph or things like that. What, what, what yeah, do you think? The, I agree with you. I mean, the, the, the word is used in a derogatory way in the book, in the sense that the characters using the word are using it to... Uh, rip on the black characters. Sure. Right. But I, I get what you're saying is that culturally that was how people who thought that way talked mm-hmm. in that time and that day and age. And if you wanted to write an authentic story about racism in the South in the 1920s and 30s and in the 2020s and 2030s, there are white dudes using this word. Mm-hmm. And back in those days, they used it a lot more liberally than they do today. Yeah. Right. So I see all that. Um, if you remove the words from the story, overall the story probably would work the same, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the words do lend a certain level of authenticity to the dialogue, mm-hmm. and t- removing it seems kind of awkward. Now, having said all that, I think that is the whole point of talking about books, mm-hmm. right? We read books so that we can raise these discussions about which words are allowed and which aren't. If we forbid people from ev- ever even seeing these books, and seeing these words, I'm not sure that gets us that much further ahead I- as a society, um, especially because this book is not a book that is written by white supremacists, mm. right? Like this book is on a whole, if you looked at the context of this novel, very much about equality and equal rights. And it's about a white person representing a black person and trying to pursue justice in the face of this level of racism, right? If it would be a different thing if the if this book was not about that, if this book was, you know, less about equality and, and, and written by a white supremacist and, and all about making fun of black people or something like then that's uncalled for. But I feel like in the context of how the words are used and in this story, there is really no reason for this book not to be part of the curriculum. Yeah. And, and maybe that's uh, almost a meta thing where this is being censored uh, to kind of put down <laughs> the discussion that could happen if this was mm. more um, of, of a, an open dialogue yeah. between between folks because uh, sometimes you need to take those those multiple steps fat back to to go right. forward right uh, because you have right. to uh, well take off the, the band-aid in order to cure the the wounds that are that are underneath it right if you just let it fester underneath it and just cover it up and say nope not allowed yeah <laughs> then then yeah, it's this, much challenging much more challenging this the sad thing i think is that is that a character a, a, a writer like harper lee today if she were to write the book probably would just make the conscious choice not to use those words sure right and overall i think the story wouldn't suffer but it's just a little less authentic yeah right because if we are really writing it something said in that age that is how people talk yeah. and I, I just feel like it's it's putting a varnish on that time period that is unfair. Mm-hmm. 
Because in a way, by including those words, we are actually being critical of the people speaking them. Yeah. Right. And by removing them, we're actually pretending that nobody ever talked like that, which is completely and nobody ever thought about things like that. And that's that's just wrong. Yeah. And I'm wondering if a book like this was written like in today's age by a, a black person using those words, like would mm-hmm. it be taken differently? Well, that's the that's the only caveat because sometimes you do hear black people using that word. Exactly, it's, it's still culturally acceptable for them to use it as in, in a critique form, but never okay for a white person to use the word. So this is all stuff that's happening in this day and age. Mm-hmm. I feel like, as a champion of literature and writing, w- we have to have some level of flexibility mm-hmm. with language, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that the word is always allowed to be used. But in this specific case, with this specific book, and with what this book is overall trying to teach and tell as a story, I feel like these words do make sense in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I mean, in some of our other book discussions, we talk about like, is this a commentary on like the human condition, right? So in, in any culture, there's probably one group that is being put down more than others and uh, chances Mm -hmm. are whatever words they're using are quite derogatory (laughs) in in that so whether it's uh blacks or whites or any other culture and the uh like lower caste uh, of that Mm -hmm. um there is always a level and then the injustice that prevails when uh something that is uh i don't know seemingly unjust done to the ruling class so to speak um, or what we're doing done by the ruling class, sorry, and and uh, they get away with it, <laughs> unfortunately. Absolutely. Yeah. Was there anything about this book that didn't sit well with you? Uh, I wouldn't say not sit well with me. I think there are. It, it was mostly fun, <laughs> right? Mm. Watching the kids, they they go around. They're, they're tormenting their neighbors, that sort of thing. And I don't know, pulling up their, their flowers in the gardens and stuff of like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Nothing really jumped out as something that, that I, I really longed for or lacked. Right. So it was, it, for me overall, it was just a, a, a good read and I, I enjoyed the, the character development. I enjoyed the story and yeah, there was for me, uh, uh, an exclamation point with, with the, with the court drama and, and the whole case behind it. It was a little bit of a, call it an unhappy ending, uh, that sort of thing, because there was justice, but in a different way, I guess. So that's, uh, I, I guess, that seemed a, a like good... a, it seemed like a pretty poetic ending to me. What was unhappy about it? No, no, I mean, yeah, it's it's justice was served, so I I, I was okay with that. But it's kind real of... justice, justice <laughs> of the street, justice right? of the street. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so I I was okay with that and. Yeah, uh, nothing really stands out. Is there anything that that you'd pick out as like, yeah, I would change it? No, it's a it is it's a great piece of writing. I wouldn't change anything. One thing I found kind of interesting was there was an elaborate scene that showed Atticus Finch had a past life as an expert marksman, mm. right? And I feel like in books, if you give a character a gun and give him the superpower of being able to shoot anything, <laughs> he, he needs to shoot it. something yeah. at the end. Yeah. Right? I was kind of like, why did they do that? They didn't. And I, I maybe it was a setup to try to th- a red herring. So at the end, you think he's going to be the one to pull the trigger Fair, on somebody. Yeah. yeah. So I won't spoil the ending, but yeah, he doesn't pull the trigger. <laughs> <at the end. laughs> yeah. And it would be interesting if anybody writes like 
the prequel or the sequel to this, right? <laughs> and and kind of does like the the origin story of Atticus Finch and and why mm. that I think that would be an interesting uh, take as well. Did you ever did you ever in your outside reading read about th- the actual construction of the novel, how it was written differently originally, and then the notes? So f- a few years back, like recently, within the last couple of years, Harper Lee, after she died, her family published the sequel to, oh, okay. to Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, okay. it's called Go Set a Watchman. But actually, as people read it, they were like, well, this is actually really similar to Kill a Mockingbird. Some of the characters are the same, mm. but it's set. It's not told from the perspective of children, and it's a slightly different thing. And after some analysis, people concluded that this actually is a re- is like an earlier draft of To Kill a Mockingbird. So the oh. family got to rake in a little bit of extra money posthumously. Gotcha. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I didn't read about that. But I mean, like sometimes y- you <laughs> got to cash in on the cash cow after it's I, gone. <laughs> I, I was a, actually it was good that you mentioned in your intro that she had written some short stories. Yeah, I had trouble accepting that this lady wrote just one book. And it was this good. Yeah. I was like, this is like, surely she must have other great books, yeah. right? But now it kind of makes sense if she was more of a short story writer and constructed this thing as her masterpiece, because because this thing is really well put together. Yeah. A lot of thought went into all the different pieces of it. Um, yeah, I can't imagine a rookie doing that on one try. Well, I think I did read something where it went through like tons and tons of revisions where she almost like yeah. stormed out and, and would not continue with the publisher and then they kind of am- amended uh, <laughs> right. things and then it, it worked out but right. uh, so yeah I mean if it's the first book but like helped with a bunch of other uh, helpful people in the field or people that mm-hmm. know that it's plausible but, but you're right I mean if, if it was a truly rookie writer then uh, it, it would have been more challenging to believe yeah Maybe it would have turned out like Walden, Walden for <laughs> for racism. Oof. Okay. <laughs> Just All s- right. Someone who's cranky talking about uh, how things are. <laughs> so overall, we enjoyed the book. Uh, we don't need to give a lot more, but I actually have a question for you. I'm kind of curious because this book was one of your picks mm. of that we should read this book. So why did you pick this book? Because it wasn't it wasn't a title that jumped out at me necessarily, but you were you had identified as something that you wanted to read. The universe just spoke to me and told me to read it. No, no. Uh, I don't know. I think it was one where I, I've heard about it many a time. And I think it was, as you said, like a required reading in school. And, and I, I didn't read it. I don't know if, if anybody in our grades would have read it or if it was mm-hmm. like banned before or something. But it's just one like you I hear about. And um, I don't know. It's just curiosity. So there's a bunch of books that, that are in the, the same vein. Um, mm-hmm. that, that I wouldn't mind reading. So it, it just, it jumped out at me. So yeah, maybe the universe was speaking to me. <laughs> it's like, All right, read there this you go. One. <laughs> Not bad because earlier we had said we would stop doing high school, you know, English <laughs> syllabus reading material yeah. after I, King Lear. But this one kind of restored our faith yeah. in high school maybe. So not a bad call. Yeah. And maybe it's just Shakespeare in general can be challenging. Or maybe we have to revisit some of the <laughs> authors again to say, pick pick different parts of their book. Like if you pick a tragedy, then it's going to be tragic. Maybe we pick a comedy of his, be a little bit more lighter and, or some of the other sure. authors and stuff like that will pick something. All right. Now let's finish the discussion about To Kill a Mockingbird. Is this, in your opinion, one of the great books? I mean, we've asked this about every book that we've read. 
Actually, sometimes we haven't bothered to ask because <laughs> we knew the answer. <laughs> but is this one of the great books? Because it is on all those lists. Like we've been we've been going down list lane during season two. We've picked plucked ten books off some of these masterpiece lists. Um, is this one a book you would recommend personally? And our our rule is we both have I to think, agree I, on it. I I think for me, out of all of them, then this is obviously the, the top. Of, well, for me, it's the obvious top of my list and right. I would say yeah like if I would so I, I guess a question for me is like would I ask my, my kids to read it I mean when they're of age <laughs> and mm. where the, the they can actually rationalize and think about the arguments I would actually recommend them to to read <laughs> great, it great right? great now you just guaranteed that your kids are never going to read it so <laughs> something that dad recommends. what you do is you put the book on the shelf and say you're not allowed to read this this book is banned all right that's don't true. touch the book and then yeah. they will read it yeah on their own that that's fair i'll probably uh, end up doing that that, that good old reverse <laughs> psychology but yeah i mean for folks that uh i mean are trying to get into literary works and stuff of like that it would be a, a nice entryway into it i think i agree it's it's modern enough that the pacing is easy to get it's not it doesn't feel aged at all the issues that it speaks to are very relevant the english language that it uses is not difficult it and it's an outstanding book, right? So I would agree with you on all counts. I would actually highly recommend it. Um, it is one of the few books from season two that we both recommend. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Is there another one where we were close well, to that is, even? This is a good segue because let's revisit the entire season because okay. we've done our 10. We've done our time. All right, we've done our time. Right. And we read 10 Ran, rather random potpourri <laughs> of English literature and, and one book that was translated from Spanish. Out of the 10, which of the 10 are books that you would recommend as a general, like this was a great read to, to people? This is one. So To Kill a Mockingbird, we're in agreement. Any others at this point? The, the contenders that I can recall is you said... You were pretty high on Animal Farm, the first book. I liked Animal Farm. Yeah, it was quite a quite an easy read. One Hundred uh, Years of Solitude. We both found it fun, but we weren't really sure how many people we'd recommend it to. Yeah, it's a little bit confusing and a little bit out there, but I I did find it a, an interesting read. So definitely those three would be well would be the tops on my list. Okay, so out of those, if you're gonna if if we're gonna if we're gonna once again take out our key and open the door to the hallowed <laughs> hall of fame of books right. which of these are getting inducted into the w5h hall of fame yeah the only one for me is to kill a mockingbird the other ones right. are just are, are honorable mentions if, if that's a, a category Fair. right all right all right well you we both have to agree to vote to get them in okay right? so so i will agree with you that to kill a mockingbird gets in i probably would vote for 100 years of solitude as okay. my second thing but if if we disagree on it we'll keep it as an honorable mention that's fine i i don't know if we disagree because i enjoyed the book but it's one where like it's weird I, it, it's weird so i I, <laughs> I can't recommend it to everyone right to kill a mockingbird i could pretty much say yeah you'll probably like it that sort mm. of thing right 100 years of solitude might be a select few will be like, well, you'd probably find this quite entertaining. And for other folks, it'll be like, no, nah, man, <laughs> you'll probably get so <laughs> lost. And yeah, you're probably not, not worth it. Um, Animal Farm, I, I still 
quite enjoyed, and I still think that as simplistic as it was, uh, mm. it it still held a lot of uh, like truisms that that, mm. that I still think are, are are relevant. So I actually would put the sun also rises in if it was up to me, mm. but. But I know you did not enjoy that read, so it's just going to have to sit on the doorstep as another honorable mention. It only got one out of the two votes. One out of the two. So so which ones made it in then? So it's really just this one, To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. We finally inducted something into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Who? One out of ten? I, Would, now, I guess it's the good. Crazy, the crazy thing, and I think we should address this a bit, is that these aren't books that we randomly plucked out of like the $2 bin yeah. at at. At, at a garage sale okay these books are in these masterpiece lists right if you google great books of english literature as reviewed by all these academies or blah 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 you know publications that that do these things these books are all on that list mm -hmm. right if you were an alien visiting earth and you didn't have time to read every book because you don't have ai <laughs> right so you're gonna physically sit down to read the greatest books to try to understand human literature these are the books you'd read, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and it seems like from what you and I have discovered, out of these 10, nine of the books have flaws. Seven of them have major problems <laughs> that we can't stand. And there's like one that we both kind of agree was pleasant. So what does that teach us about these lists? Well, that uh, they're all made up. <laughs> and <laughs> someone behind it probably has their own agenda behind it. But uh, yeah, I mean, with with a lot of things, it's it's quite subjective. Uh, I mm. think that you ask a, a whole bunch of people, like the uh, what is it, like the eight billion people around the world, at least the ones that that read, mm. <laughs> right? Uh, they would probably all give you different lists. Um, yeah. So, some of it could could be where the ones that actually spend more time reading would they automatically bubble to the top, and well, from our analysis. Not really, <laughs> but but uh, and and maybe it's just a, a pylon where like someone reads it and the other person's like, yeah, it was pretty good. Okay, so it's on your list too. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and it just propagates through. Meanwhile, it's, sure. it's not truly. So there's all sorts of reasons why, but I would probably say that it's it's the, the subjectivity of it, right? So you like chocolate, I like ice, I like uh, vanilla, right? Who's right? Who's wrong? I don't know. Yeah. So for sure. The book, different books speak to different people. Um, I, I think I think history, like the 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 age of the writing, has something to do with it too. True. Like certain books, because they're so old and they're like the first of something or the original, like the Iliad. Mm. These things get slapped in these lists all the time. They are not necessarily pleasant reading experiences. It's almost like going to a museum and looking at historical artifacts. These are important works, yeah. but important doesn't necessarily mean great to read and engage with today. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to get a 10 year old or 20 year old, a millennial, a Gen, Gen Z mm. Alpha, whatever they are now, to, to read a bunch of these, they'd be like, oh, What is this? <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine a lot of that, those types of uh, responses. What? Now, Probably a lot of people who are listening to our podcast after season one, when we were really focused on understanding a question about education, suddenly they, they get to season two in their feed and they're like, what on earth are these guys doing? What, how do you answer that now that we finish the season? Like, like what was this season about for you and did you find it to be a worthwhile endeavor? Well, it was uh, kind of... And I'm asking you because you're the self-professed, I don't know anything about literature guy. <laughs> It 
was to, for me to be better educated to take the title of one of the books that we enjoyed in the first season, mm. right? So yes. uh, it's it's one where if there was a problem with with education, could it be the things that we were studying and hold in high regard, right? So mm-hmm. if a lot of these books were kind of part of the curriculum, right, is it, and that's what's being taught to our children, like. That, that could be part of the problem too because right? if nobody understands what's happening and this doesn't sure. hold meaning that could be it and it's part of it more out of my own curiosity so for, for me in terms of learning it's taking a look at books or things that people have referenced a lot and I wouldn't have otherwise made the time to read it on my own and right. explore and say you know what yeah this is kind of cool and interesting and that might be true for like movies and stuff like that if we were to go down that uh, mm-hmm. route too there's probably some classics where like i've never watched stuff like casablanca or like uh uh what are some reported good ones like ev- even like space the- odyssey 2001 have you seen that? <laughs> i've seen bits and pieces of it. i've never watched <laughs> it all the way through and uh, like call it like the godfather and stuff like that right you I'm haven't only- seen the godfather n- not straight oh through. My I've, o- God. I- I've always seen bits and pieces of it so this is one where where, I think the movie uh, yeah. you're thinking about that you haven't named is Citizen Kane. That is actually and the movie uh, that Citizen Kane too. Yeah. No, it was. It, I've seen bits and pieces of it too. Right? <laughs> it's always the what is the uh, the bicycle or something? The there's something that he, he remembers in a dream. The sled. The, the sled. The, the sled. But it has yeah. a name or something. Rosebud. Rosebud. There you go. <laughs> right. So those types of things. Like I haven't read it so it's a lot of uh, i haven't watched those movies so this is really for curiosity to to Mm -hmm. satisfy a little bit of that um and maybe it would make me uh more well-read a smarter person so so now we finish the season are you more (laughs) well-read are you smarter oh man do you recommend this to other people what do you think be honest we got one out of ten right (laughs) (laughs) low yield low yield they uh colossal failure no i mean the fact that we we got through it and and now we know a little bit more um Mm -hmm. it's 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 just learning right Uh, i'm of the mindset never lose win or learn right so Mm. there's no such thing as failure only feedback so now i think we just have to be a little bit more selective or have a different approach to picking our next few Mm -hmm. as we kind of go through because i i I do feel that there's going to be more that that Mm -hmm. would do that and could we increase our hit ratio <laughs> is is what i'm what i'm hoping in in the i in agree future. i mean i think some sometimes reading a book that is difficult and that we don't enjoy is not altogether a bad experience right yeah, especially of these books that have historical importance but yeah. by and large of course we're looking for better reads and probably what we've discovered is that some of these lists are flawed which is mm. great because they're just a bunch of people sitting on a committee you know, putting stuff down on paper. But I think going forward, you know, you and I can think more about which books work for us, right? Because us as a tandem are, you know, there are certain things that, that we that resonate with us and maybe don't with other people and focus more on those type of things. And, and we might not know what those types of things are until we've read more broadly. So I think this is a step in that direction. Yeah. I think part of it is to overcome our own biases where like we might feel that we have a certain tendency or interest in one area but mm-hmm. meanwhile like if we explore something totally different totally in left field we might like oh that's kind of interesting and, and maybe that's where we uh, kind of focus our attention 
Mm. Uh, but we otherwise wouldn't have bothered because we just keep to whatever we like. So I, I think it's still a good idea to have a, a good breadth of things. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, make some better or more informed choices <laughs> and not just <laughs> because it's on a random list. All right. Anyway, that was I. I I will answer my own question now. <laughs> okay. I thought that the season was very bizarre at times, especially <laughs> early in the season. I was like, we've lost half our audience. Who's gonna listen to us talk about King Lear? <laughs> and I really was not enjoying it, you know. But then about the middle of the season, I think it was with the sun also rises that I thought we really hit our stride. I was like, wait a minute. I, these discussions are actually super fun to talk about these classic books. Actually, I think it was Walden. As much as Walden was a pain <laughs> in my butt, that book, actually, the discussion of it, I was like, this is actually fun to talk about, right? Yep. And I, it is neat to like have a discussion about these old books. And I feel like sometimes with podcasts and, and magazines and books and all these things, everything has to be you know, everything has to be curated by an expert. Like mm -hmm. this is actually just regular people talking about reading. Right. And mm -hmm. we're all entitled to have an opinion. I think that's, that's the fun part of it. And we're bringing back to life some of these books and some of these voices that people might be curious about at some point. And it gets us closer and closer to my goal of reading 10,000 books <laughs> in my Whoa. life. Right. So we'll keep plugging along we won't always be reading literature, but we will sometimes and because we've shown that we can and we'll read we'll read nonfiction because we've shown we can do that, too. But I, I think it just speaks to our interest in reading and learning and discussing, which is what this podcast is supposed to be all about. And it was a nice thing that we got to try out this like completely different season, two, mm -hmm. and we'll incorporate some elements of it going forward for sure. And how far along are in the journey of 10,000 books? I haven't like really the, counted. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say... have a master list somewhere, right? So. I was going to say, yeah, I used to. At some points, I've made lists, but they they never get anywhere. Right. Yeah. So we got like 20-odd with, with between the two <laughs> seasons. And then obviously your bookshelf of books too. So yeah, I mean, hopefully we're making a dent in it. Yeah, definitely. It's all about the process, not the uh, final destination. Yeah. What, what's the quote? Life's about the journey, not the destination. Yeah, so, something yeah, like that. The, well, yeah, so it was an enjoyable season. I, I think uh, we learned a lot. And at, at the very least, we, we can cross a whole bunch of things off of our lists. Um, <laughs> and like you, well, me more so than you, I guess, because 10 out of 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> you still got a bunch more to go. All right. Well, we will see you all in a month for the beginning of season three of W5H. So, yeah, until then, have a good read. See ya. Those are 12 reasonable men in everyday life, Tom's jury. But you saw something come between them and reason. You saw the same thing that night in front of the jail. When that crew went away, they didn't go as reasonable men. They went because we were there. There's something in our world that makes men lose their heads. They couldn't be fair if they tried. In our courts, when it's a white man's word against a black man's, the white man always wins. They're ugly, but those are the facts of life.